Good evening. You can hear me okay? I'm not used to electronics. <laughs> um, as I was preparing for tonight, I was realizing it's, it's a year since we started coming here. I can't believe the time's gone by so quickly, but I, I thought that um, I would take this chance to to thank you so much for, for welcoming us here. It's just been an incredible experience. I just love you all and I love being here. I'm so glad to be here. So glad to be here. <clears throat> if we can, uh, ask the Lord's blessing if you pray with me. Father, we do thank you tonight that we can be gathered around your word. Lord, we're sinners saved by your grace. Amen. We're always in need of remembering what's been done for us, Lord, and in need of remembering how great you are and how much you love us. And so I really pray, Lord, that you would speak through me tonight and help us all to, to gain something from what it is you try to say through your word to us, Lord, that it might benefit us and it might bring you the glory you deserve. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> so turn to Romans chapter 9, if you would, please. Romans chapter 9, and we'll start in verse 1. I, uh, as, a, as I was reviewing this and tweaking the message a little bit from the first time I gave it, I decided to call the message a glimpse of hell. It's not a subject that we talk too much about. <clears throat> maybe, maybe we should. A glimpse of hell, because all we're going to get is a glimpse of it. I think, especially after I went through this myself, realized just it's a very, exp there's so much to think about and consider. And I th it made me think too that it's possible to have a glimpse of heaven as well. And if you think about it, a glimpse of heaven, if you could see heaven just for 30 seconds, well, first of all, you wouldn't want to leave. But wouldn't it make a profound difference on your life for the rest of your life if you had to come back? I think, I think hell does the same and maybe in a little bit different way. I'm so glad for the Word of God and that He tells us these things. Okay, let's start in verse 1. I, I tell the truth in Christ. I'm not lying. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and continual grief in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my countrymen, according to the flesh. It's interesting, as I'm looking over the verses again, look, look how he starts this. I tell the truth. I am not lying. My conscience also bearing witness. He's about to say something really powerful, and he wants to emphasize it. Like when Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, or verily, verily, right? Yeah. He could wish himself accursed from Christ for the sake of his fellow countrymen. You realize what he's saying? I was amazed by that many years ago. And I was speaking to an older brother about it who was helping me, teaching me how to teach. And he said, you would be even more amazed if you really considered what hell must be like. And... He took, 
he stood beside me and, and he put his arm around me and, and we looked down like we were looking in to hell itself. And he says, imagine what you would see, what you would hear. I tried and I found it very difficult to do. It was just overwhelming to think about. And over the years, I, I, re, I would run across this verse and I'd try again and I couldn't because it was overwhelming to me. But back in April, Brother Ken and I were, were sitting around the table talking about this subject. I don't know how we got on it. And, well, first of all, when we do this kind of thing, we, it's like uh, partner meditation and all kinds of things come out. But a flood of thoughts began to come through my head and I went home that night thinking, um, wow, this verse is finally coming through for me and I need to write this down. <laughs> So some of the things I'm going to say, uh, probably Ken said directly, or he inspired it. The other thing is, is that um, I sent, I actually let a couple of people read this, but I, let, I sent it to my younger brother, who's also a believer, and he sent it back to me with some, with some comments, and I've inserted those in this message because I felt like they added to it. So we learn something about God when we study the place of hell. We find out how much he hates sin. And rightly so. When you look at what it's done to each one of us and to this world, we should hate it too. And if we ask ourselves, what would a holy God do to deal with sin? <clears throat> We've got to take an in-depth look. And we don't have time to look greatly, but tonight we'll look, we'll wade in there a little bit and see some things that I was amazed by as I went through this. So I categorized it in three sections, three points. And the first is the physical reality of hell. It's eternal. It never stops. You can never, ever leave. The door is sealed shut. It is so sealed it's as if there is no door at all. You can enter, but you cannot leave. It's real. It's more than a maximum security prison. And it provides absolute solitary confinement. My brother Tim at this point puts in a quote. He says, personally, I've been locked up in jail. If you've never been there, you can't understand what it feels like to have no choices, no options to get out, no words you can say. Nothing you can do. Your freedom is taken from you and you follow the orders of someone you do not know. Although I committed no crime, I had no freedom. It was, like, it was an experience like no other. So if that's true of an earthly jail built by the weak hands of men, what must a maximum security prison built by the hands of an almighty God be like? Next thing is, is that you're in a body that is fit for this place. It will last you for all eternity. You're like that burning bush that burns but is never consumed. And although you are in flames, you are in what the Bible calls the blackness of darkness. 
Some ask, well, how can you be in flames and in darkness at the same time? I asked that question myself, and when I was doing this message, so that God said to me, remember, this place is tailor-made by God. You rejected the light, and now there's no more light for you. But then you might not want to see it anyway. You are alone forever. You'll never hear another voice again, except maybe your own. And then there's the pain. And it's excruciating. It never stops. You will never feel good again, ever. How does God describe it in his word? It's described as a place of torment and that it's a, it is a condition of unspeakable misery indicated by the terms used to describe the suffering and the things that cause it, such as everlasting fire, a fire that never goes out. It's repeated a number of times where the worm doesn't die that one bothers me. The lake which burns with fire and brimstone. The bottomless pit. I wish I had time to go through each one of these. Outer darkness. We were watching the movie the other night about space travel and there was an accident and one of the two astronauts were out walking in space trying to fix the spaceship and one of them had a problem, so the other one saved him, but lost connection with the spaceship, which is probably moving 10,000 miles an hour, and he floats off into darkness. When you think of outer darkness, how alone he must have been. It's defined as a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. Gnashing is not a word that we use very much anymore. Gnashing is, is grinding your teeth. The pain is so bad that you're just grinding your teeth. Fire unquenchable, furnace of fire, blackness is darkness. It's so dark there that you cannot see your hand in front of your face. And finally, there's a verse that says, And the smoke of their torment ascends up forever and ever, and they have no rest, day or night. Most of us have burned ourselves before, probably a small part of our body. Last time I burned myself, I burned my hand. It was pretty bad. I was up all night with ice on it. It's the worst pain that I can think of. You might think of something worse, but it's pretty bad. It's enough to make us gnash our teeth, I think. Now, if you can imagine your whole body from head to toe in that kind of pain, that's the excruciating pain, the suffering that has to happen in hell for sin. It's no wonder the word gnashing of teeth are repeated. Somehow, some people will be in more pain than others. The most painful part of hell deserved for those who've done the worst. Satan being the worst. Somehow their part of hell that they're in will be much worse than where others are. I don't know how it's going to be worse. It seems all bad to me, but somehow it's going to be that way. My brother Tim put in a comment at this point. He says, Personally, I live in a body that is in a constant state of pain. 
There's no way for me to escape the body I'm in. He had an accident moving a refrigerator off a truck one time when he was in his early 20s and got hurt pretty bad. And I think he's 52 now. And he's been, he's been in pain since then. He says the best the doctors can do is prescribe narcotics to make the pain bearable to get by. In hell, there are no doctors, no pain medications, no alcohol, no way to escape forever pain. Pain like you've never experienced in your life. If you were an atheist, you now get to have existence without God just as you believed. He's not there, and he never will be. And you'll know it to be a fact. More than anything, though, you'll want to talk to God. But you won't try. Because you know for sure, absolutely, positively, without a doubt, he's not listening. I remember a story I read a long time ago about uh, one farmer who was witnessing to a fellow farmer. And the guy just, he was getting nowhere with him, and the guy just didn't believe, and we'd give him a hard time. So the farmer said, you know what, can I buy your right to pray for $20? Would you sell me your right to pray for $20? And the other guy thinks, ha, easiest $20 I ever made. And the next day, though, as this farmer, the believer, was going down the road, the other guy came running at him, thrust the $20 back in his hand. He didn't want to lose that right to pray. He didn't believe, but he realized, you know what? If this is real, I don't want to be cut off from God. Those who are in hell would give anything to have a chance to talk to God again. It's very clear in the mind of the person who is held that there's absolutely no escape and absolutely no end to what's take, taking place. The heat and the pain are so bad that just a drop of water would make a difference for them. Do you remember the story of the rich man in hell? He wanted Lazarus just to dip his finger in the water to put on his tongue. Just a drop of water would provide relief because his tongue was hot. And tongues are not supposed to be hot. That's really bad. Well, if you can imagine that, that you might be allowed a drop of water every thousand years or so while you're there, what that would be like to have that drop. You would long for it. You would look forward to it. The problem is this. The second you got it, it would be gone. And the desire for more relief would be so great you might wish you never had it in the first place. So the desire for relief and the fact that you can't have it are two concepts that would just be hammering in your mind. The flesh screaming for some kind of relief, but tortured at the reality that it cannot be so. On earth, if you were in pain or had some kind of injury, you might look forward to recovery, right? You know, you might look forward to an end of a trial. But that's just not the case in hell. It doesn't happen. There's nothing to look forward to. Just as we believers look forward to the permanency of heaven, we know it's coming and we'll know that we'll be there forever. Converse is true for the person in hell as well. It's not going to end. Well, 
there's not only pain on the outside of the body, but there's another concept that really struck me as I was preparing for this and kind of what Ken and I had talked about a little bit. The second point is this, is the, uh, the outside of your body truly is in flames and you are in excruciating pain, but there's an inner pain as well. There is the mental part of hell as well. And this is something people have not really talked about, not really thought about, but it's something seriously to consider. See, memories would be really painful, wouldn't they? But memories are all you have. The horrible fact is they cannot be enjoyed. In fact, they would bring pain. It'd be better not to have them at all. The good that you might be able to think about would be extremely agonizing because it would make you want it, but you can't have it. You'll never have it again. You'll never see it again. And that would make your thoughts torturous, wouldn't they? You'd want to enjoy good thoughts because it would be the only good you might experience, but they're ruined by the reality that they were imperfect as, at best when you were here. And in fact, some of those memories have contributed to the current pain you're now in. And it would take away any interest you'd have in those things. You would, in fact, for maybe the first time, have an intense desire and interest in holiness, though. You would, in fact, for the first time in your existence, not want anything to do with sin, realizing the punishment and experiencing it. You won't sin for the rest of eternity, but it won't be pleasing to God because it will be too late. And for the atheists, while you were there, you have the memories of those people who came to you were so convincing, you knew they were right and you rejected them anyways. And you'll live with those memories. Here's an especially hard fact about hell, something that, that bothers me a lot. You will experience intense loneliness there because there is absolutely no one with you. There is no companionship as some would have had you believe while you were here and alive. You might long for certain people you knew, but the pain of realizing you, them, that you will never see them again is too much to think about. The claustrophobic loneliness would be overwhelming. So then there's this terrible trouble and struggle of trying somehow to make it possible to endure this pain. When the intense punishment of the memories of the past, every attempt you make to try to somehow make it better fails and the memories and the thoughts you have only make it worse. You won't be able to think your way out of this one. You'll try not to think at all, but you will. One of the things that you will think about is the opportunities you had to be saved from this place. You'll be able to identify every single one of those instances. You'll remember them clearly. You'll long to talk to those people again that you rejected and ostracized and persecuted for their attempts to help you, you'll no doubt know clearly the grace of God. 
it'll be very clear now. The times that he extended it to you in your lifetime. But those thoughts will be too much because of the regret you'll feel. And it'll only add to your pain. And perhaps this is what will make hell worse for some people because they had some unique opportunities about hearing about God and about what he did. And were some of those people who had so many opportunities to hear. Some of you know people like that. And they turn it down. And it just makes it worse that they can recall all of that. Satan's going to have that problem too, you know. He is a person. And he has memories and he has emotions. And he had the highest, the best place in heaven. And he threw it all away for the lowest and the most painful. I bet you'd like to hear some good news at this point, would you? That's not possible. I still have to talk about the worst part of hell. I don't think this is something that we've often thought about either. And if you go to Revelation 20 and you read about the judgment and can kind of place yourself going through it, this is the worst part of hell. That just before you were thrown into hell, you saw him. The absolutely most wonderful person in the whole universe. And you will go with intense and vivid memories of what it was like to see the Lord Jesus Christ. You will experience His presence. His holiness, as soon as you see it, will make it very clear right away why you are in hell suffering. And you will remember during the judgment, maybe for an instant, he might have looked at you with some sadness, thinking, I really didn't want you to have to go there. And that'll just kill you. And torture you for all eternity with the memory of the love that you could have had, but you despised and rejected. You rejected him, and now he rejects you, and his words of condemnation are horrifying to you but at the same time you know you deserve it you were taken away from the presence of the most wonderful being in the whole universe who showed you an unconditional infinite love on the cross but now he is only a memory and a most painful one at that he and he alone was your only hope your regret will be overwhelming You'll now understand the gospel clearly as you suffer the pain of hell. You'll realize that all that suffering that you're enduring is exactly what he went through for you. Because he didn't want you to have to suffer this. His love in all its infinitude will come rushing through in crystal clarity. It'll be very, very clear to you. This will make your current pain exceedingly great realizing what you've given up and realizing how much he cares for you. The hopelessness you feel is unbearable and will contribute immeasurably to your torturous existence. So then the worst part of hell is what? Having seen the Savior who loved you and gave us all for you, and you chose an eternal existence without him. You chose a place in which he will never come. 
And you'll never forgive yourself for that. That's the worst part of hell. There are no good days. There are no breaks. There's no time off, no vacations. Your complaints and troubles in your lifetime and the things you didn't like and didn't want to put up with are now hell that complaining is hollow. You would want that back more than anything. But the pain never ends. And though you long for relief, you now fully realize how much you deserve to be there. And this just all adds to the torture you already have. My brother Tim uh, in, in, inserts a, a comment at this point. He says, as a Christian, I have hope. Hope that I will one day have a body that doesn't live in pain. As a Christian, if I were to have died in prison, I have the hope of being free again. <laughs> because death is a doorway for us, isn't it? So as bad as it feels, nothing is worse than being in the worst possible place with no hope at all. Listen to what he says. You can't even commit suicide to make the pain stop. There is literally nothing you can do to stop the suffering. Though you have no possibility of a second chance, you might think about this. You realize that if you could have a second chance, what an evangelist you would be. How you would every day try to plead with people to be reconciled to God. And your words, your fervency, just they would not be able to be ignored because you would plead with such intensity. But the heat is suffocating, the level of excruciating pain, these kinds of thoughts do you no good at all. It's not like the life you used to lead where you might encounter trials and tribulations and you partially get used to it. You kind of get through it. There's no subsiding pain in hell. There's no getting used to it. It just goes on and on and on and on and on and on and on. There's no rest at night because there is no night and there is no sleep. One thing you would think about most, you know what that is? If I could just have one more chance. If I could just have one more chance, just one more chance, just one more chance. But those thoughts are very painful, especially when you think about all the chances you had. It's very clear to you now why God was so intent on trying to reach you. So very clear why believers tried so hard to talk to you. Amen. It's also very clear why God sends people there. You understand completely now the punishment for sin and rejecting his love. And it's too much for you to bear, but bear it you must. I'm just a finite sinner who can only look at scripture and try to imagine how bad it is in hell. And what I've described to you is just a glimpse. I am sure it is far, far worse than what we've considered tonight. You may have even had thoughts about this inspired by something you heard here. A glimpse of hell. We cannot walk away from this without looking at application first. And so I want to speak to three types of people tonight. First of all, if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, the, 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 
the application should be very clear to you. You don't need any more motivation to put your trust in Him. And there isn't anything in this world that's worth going to this place for. And there isn't anything in this world that's worth having versus His love. And what we've described tonight is exactly what Jesus went through on the cross. Most religions miss this. Even so-called Christian religions do not understand the cross. Jesus died on the cross. Ask them, what does that mean? You know what? They don't know. Because they don't have a right view of evil, so they don't understand the punishment for sin, and so they don't understand this part. But it should be very clear to you tonight, this is exactly what Jesus went through to save us. He had to pay this price, or we do. And he didn't want us to. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should repent. There may be some people here tonight where you've made a profession of faith. And maybe you wonder about it. Maybe you're not secure with it. Or maybe you know that your profession is not real at all. You don't, you're here, but you don't feel like you fit in. You don't seem to have the joy the other people have. And you're afraid to talk about it. Well, let me tell you something tonight. Don't be. Don't be afraid. Don't be embarrassed. <laughs> be embarrassed and be saved. I'll be the first one to hug you and, 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 and cry with you if I can get to you first. Can, can you imagine how much he loves us going through this for us? Can you imagine? We try to measure. That's why there's so many songs written about the Lord Jesus and what he's done for us because it's just incredible what he's done. Okay, last application. For those of us who know him, I've got a list here. <laughs> and the first one, Adel already stole my thunder. But we can't, we can't go by it, can we? Gratefulness. I am so grateful that he was willing to save me and did. And, and we could stop right there, couldn't we? It's, it's like the... the you've, you've, I don't, hopefully you haven't experienced this, but maybe you have. But there, you read about these situations where people on airplanes that go through storms and maybe they lose an engine and the plane feels like it falls out of the sky sometimes and people get off the plane and they get on the ground and they kiss it. They are so grateful to be on the ground. And I don't, I'm, I'm sure you can say this with me, but I'm so grateful to be saved. It is good to be saved. The Lord is good. A few more applications, if you'll allow me. I want to know my Jesus better. If he did that all for me, he loves me that much, I've got to have more time with him. I've got to know him better. If sin caused him this kind of pain and he went through that for me, then I want to live as holy as possible this side of heaven. Amen. We've all gone through some trials. Some of us are, are suffering a lot. Some of us might in the future suffer. Some of us have suffered in the past. But I'll tell you something. There's no trial here that I'm going through that is as bad as the existence I have been saved from. And I can go through anything for the Lord by His grace. I want to know my Bible better. This is the book, the only book that tells us about this place and to get away from it, to be saved. What else is in here? 
And you've got to know that this just increases our desire to tell others about the Lord, right? You don't want anybody going to this place. You don't want your worst enemy going to this place. It's so bad. In fact, think about your worst enemy. Can you imagine your worst enemy being in here on Sunday morning with us, breaking bread and worshiping the Lord? Could you imagine the Obamas and the Clintons and Stephen Hawking in here praising the Lord with us? If you can't, you should. We need to look at people like that. Jesus loves them. He died for them. The whole reason why they are so messed up in our minds is because they need to be saved. And we should be praying for them. I would mention this as well in witnessing. We talk to people about the Lord. It ought to be done in great humility. And maybe when we discuss the cross, it ought to be in tears. Because when you think about what He did and what He went through to save us, it's fitting. Finally, the church. I love this church. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. But what do I want to do? I want to do everything I can. I want to be as much a part of building his church with him as I possibly can. And I don't want to do anything to hinder that progress whatsoever. So you can see why I said in the beginning, this was a very profitable thing to think about, isn't it? Isn't it good to be saved from this place? Isn't God good to us? Let's give thanks. Lord, tonight, how do we, how do we thank you enough for what it is you've done? For we've just taken a glimpse of the suffering that you went through for us. We try to measure it and think about it every Sunday morning, and we can't, Lord. It's just overwhelming. But we must, Lord. It's good for our souls to see what it is you went through for us to save us and bring us here. And finally, to bring us home with you someday. How we thank you, O Lord. And how I pray tonight for each one of us, and especially me, that this message will mean something to us for the rest of our lives. It will make a change in us, this glimpse of of hell, Lord. And may we also consider a glimpse of heaven at some point, too. How we thank you tonight, Lord, for this time. In your name, amen.